0: are listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music.
1: Hell yeah! Well, well thanks again for coming yeah. out, man. Dude, thank you for having me.
0: Nah, perfect timing. Hell yeah! Got the rain. That's right. Ready roll. The, got the mood.
1: Got the lighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: We all set. Cool. Well, you want to scoot up a little bit? Sure. And try and keep the mic maybe about a. Fist or so away. Okay. You get yourself comfortable. You can move it wherever you want. Cool. Should I be facing you like this or facing out? Oh yeah, me. I'm the only one here.
1: Sweet. I was <laughs> gonna say. I was like, oh.
0: I mean, I speak to the camera if you want if it. Yeah, if yeah, yeah. If you're feeling it, but.
1: No. Man. <laughs> and that's why I believe, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Pull a soapbox. Do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. But hey, man. Thanks again for coming, man.
1: Man, thanks for having me. Yeah. Have you been? Man, I've been pretty good, man. Very chill.
0: Yeah. What, what's yeah. been keeping you busy?
1: Man, not a whole lot currently or yes and no, because mm. like uh, we, I just got back from like being out of town for two months. Uh, I was out in Europe for a month with Ghost Note. Nice. And then I was out for another month doing a musical with uh, uh, my friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then.
0: Misbehaving. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did the Ain't Misbehaving yeah. thing out yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because was there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that was such a. I I wish I could have seen it live, but man, it looked like such a great arrangement. It
1: was great, man. It was, it was so many levels. It was, yeah. It was it was really great. Mm. Yeah, great band, great cast, um, nice setting, very very relaxed setting. You know, to where it was easy, it was easy to go and be creative for like two hours because you weren't traveling for mm. like two to six hours. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. How is how would you compare? A tour, or you know, that kind of uh, experience, compared to you know, touring Europe. Man, you know?
1: I got to really compare them side by side because <laughs> yeah. they were <laughs> back to back, you know. So it's like on on um, the the Europe tour, to me, it, in some ways, felt like it went by way faster because mm. you know, it's so it's so much. You're going, like, going, yeah, going. you're going and going and going and yeah. going. There's rarely a few days in a row where you're in the same city mm. or even the same country, you know. So yeah. like, you're really. It's like adjust, 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 adjust. Don't sleep, don't sleep, don't sleep, don't sleep. Okay, fit a big old nap in or like, you know, sleep all day. This one off day, you know. Yeah. Find some time to do laundry for once, please. <laughs> all you need to, even if it's just your underwear and socks. It's all.
0: Just a start.
1: Yeah, for real. So it was, it, there, there was a level of that versus, versus being in just one spot in Pittsfield that was really... Mm-hmm. It, it was really relaxing to be in one place and especially around around all my friends from Dallas sure. that were all in one place versus my my, you know, my ghost note family that's like we're, we're on the road together. So it's like that's that is all that's not home, but like, you know, they're
0: you're with your boys
1: out wherever you know? yeah and so there there's a familiarity there as well
0: yeah big time yeah when it comes when it came to touring or when it comes to touring you've done before do you have a favorite venue or a favorite city that you look forward to
1: man uh, it's really hard to say that's really hard <laughs> to say but
0: you know shoot i
1: <sighs> definitely uh, my favorite area probably would be like the scandinavian countries are probably Mm. my favorite i just something about it uh, it's just like it's just so nice and feels like yeah i don't know everything feels so clean everything's so clean the food's really good the people Mm. are really nice
0: and what do you order when you're out in scandinavia man (laughs) i've been vegan
1: for like three years okay so uh like there's usually actually a ton of options nice so there's like there's there's actually a ton of like I guess like Asian restaurants, which is to me the easiest, the easiest place to find like something like a vegan dish. Mm, gotcha. But they actually most places there they'll they'll have something you know that sure. you can eat. You know. Yeah. Um, but before I was vegan, there there man, I had a ton of all all that crazy Viking food. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the pickled herring. You know, that's mm. uh, the fresh. I don't know. All the all the produce is like super good there. Like fresh fruit, like mm. when it's in season, there is like incredible. Like mm. all the lingonberry type things in Sweden, like you know, all the they have like all kinds of like. I guess they have this like Danish bacon that's like really famous mm. in Denmark. You know, there's stuff like that. There's like, I don't know. There's a, uh, one of the places we went to in Norway had like a crazy fish market that we went to, mm. so. Yeah, I've I've had I've had amazing food, I think, in I would say all all throughout Europe, just incredible food experiences for sure.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. a food tour, too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Like one day you're eating fish and chips. The next day you're eating like the best pasta and pizza in the world. Mm, you know, yeah. Like,
0: whoa. Yeah. It'll keep you on your toes. Keep you excited. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So there there's that like traveling like that side of it yeah. that is like, you know, really tight. Really yeah. tight of touring as opposed to being in one place.
0: Yeah, such but, a yeah. It's like a cultural tour. Yes. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, which I'm all about. You know, yeah, I love it. That's I'm awesome. From a little town in Rowlett, like near Dallas. Mm. <laughs>
0: well, it's a good segue. Where the, yeah. into the where your beginnings of music? You know, hey. where, where is that? <laughs> where does your story kind of begin? Yeah. So that?
1: I I um I started. You know, I I my parents moved from the Philippines in uh, my dad moved in '85 and my mom moved in '89. mm-hmm And I was born in 93 in like Garland, Texas, which is like, you know, a little suburb of Dallas. And my parents bought a house in Rowlett. Um, So I grew up in like the suburbs, like like a little country suburb, pretty much of of like on the northeast corner of Dallas. I started playing piano when I was six years old. Mm. And, um, you know, if you grew up Filipino, (laughs) you go to these Filipino parties and your parents are like. Son, play your piece for your titas and titos and titas, which are like your aunts and uncles, yeah. you know. And they're so you're like, oh, I just want to play video games with my friends, you know. It's like, but you know, I'd eventually play and you know. Of course, they're all they're all nice, you know, usually. So they're like, wow, you're so good, Jonathan. You're so talented. <laughs> they just, like, give you, like, all the old Filipinos just, like, hand out, like, pull out $1 to $5 bills, and they're like, <laughs> here, you know. They're like, wow, <laughs> this could be a thing, you know. And so I guess eventually after after playing all my recital pieces there, those were always, like, the most nerve-wracking but rewarding audiences mm. to play for growing up and after so many years of doing that I was just like, Okay, I guess I guess I wanna do something like this. I don't know, I don't, you know.
0: I mean, yeah, something like that probably leave an impression on you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, I I studied piano from when I was six till I was eighteen and then oh, I wow. also picked up saxophone at eleven. Oh okay. um, did like High school, uh, middle school and high school band mm. and stuff but uh and
0: that's where the sax came in
1: that's where the sax came mm. in. but i was definitely growing up and i also played in church playing keys and, okay. and singing backgrounds and stuff but nice. but my main thing my main thing growing up was really piano like mm. classical piano lessons type yeah. thing. and so um in high school I, I was in jazz band which i really liked i was in both jazz bands like the 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 i was in one of the jazz bands playing saxophone and Mm. then another jazz band playing piano and so i i just for whatever reason i I had a really cool director i had all my friends in band were like the guys in jazz band mostly Mm. so it was like i just i i loved it from the start but i didn't really know anything about i didn't really know anything about playing jazz nor did i really have like a vision of being like a, uh, like, you know, a professional saxophone player, whatever sure. that means. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't really have a concept of it. I just knew I wanted to do something with music, mm. probably piano when I was growing up. Yeah. Um,
0: so at that point, the saxophone just kind of seemed like a side yeah, interest. Absolutely. Still, mm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It was it was something that I, it, it I picked it up pretty quick, thankfully, because I, I had already been studying piano for sure. a while. So so compared going from a, an instrument where you got to deal with like all this stuff playing with both hands doing melody rhythm and harmony at the same time Mm. and then picking up saxophone all you have to do really do is like worry about melody like Mm. at first you know sure and i could already read music and so Mm. it was the saxophone for me just seemed to come a little bit more naturally um than piano did for me Mm. Um,
0: well and it's uh, i started from guitar then bass and then uh piano eventually yeah but once going that way it like blew my mind I was like why did I not start with the piano right it's all in a line yeah you just you're looking at it like <laughs> yeah. dude, whatever
1: you want to play you're looking right at yeah. it it's yeah it's like
0: anytime I would transpose something on my guitar I'm like it's all stacked and all, you know, yeah. whatever. And I was like, "This Wait, is crazy." <laughs>
1: sudden, now all of a sudden, all the other ones kind of make sense. Yeah, you exactly.
0: Know? Yeah. yeah, but we're, working it that way, I felt so like retroactively frustrated. Like, <laughs> why not do this? Like, aww. whatever. You know, <laughs> but
1: hey, man, suit. And I feel like learning learning it. Learning learning any instrument to a certain level is going to help you learn another the oh, other yeah. the next one
0: yeah those know. foundations can carry over yeah if you're observant you know in that way definitely yeah definitely hmm. so when it came to learning sax was there uh, anything that made you more excited about it like uh, any specific artists or pieces or anything that
1: definitely man like
0: uh, basically
1: I had a really cool saxophone teacher uh, mm. that that I took private lessons with throughout middle school and high school and uh, when I was like i think 18 years old like either 2010 or 2011 Mm -hmm. uh he we were in a lesson and he was like hey by the way like uh i don't know if you want i don't know if this seems fun to you but if if you want to we can go to denton and it was like on a wednesday or thursday night Mm. um and go see this band they're called snarky puppy and he was like i'll send you a video so you can get an idea of like what they're like
0: yeah
1: um so he sends me this video, and I'm like, dude, I've never heard anything like this. Like, what? What? It's, like, definitely not, not the type of music that I had listened to up to that point. Sure. But I wasn't – I was definitely into it. I was like, that's mm. pretty cool. I'm definitely interested in – plus, it's like, dude, you're going to get me out of roulette on a school night, like <laughs> – yes absolutely like i'm down (laughs) yes definitely down take me please and so so i went with my lesson teacher to uh to denton saw snarky puppy play at a club called haley's Mm. in denton and that night i was just like whoa like Mm. wow like man i didn't know i didn't even know you could play like band instruments like like i saw uh i saw my friends jay jennings playing trumpet and then uh chris bullock on saxophone and i was mm. like yo i didn't even know you could play band instruments and be in a band like this where people mm. are like dancing like yeah. everybody's like having like a party basically it's, it felt like it was a party you know yeah and i didn't even really party at that like that <laughs> when i was that age so i was like wow this is so cool mm. like i want to do something like this when it comes to music as opposed to uh what i was used to which was like either playing in like a band setting like a concert band setting mm. or like playing like you know a solo piano piece mm. in front of like people who are like you know <laughs> judging you waiting for you to mess up some you know <laughs> so in a lot of ways yeah bro i was like that that night itself like really like it it just kind of sh- it, it, it's kind of liberating yeah absolutely yeah. it just kind of gave me a sense of like oh man i think this is what i want to do yeah you know? and so i i come to find out later from my lesson teacher that they all went to north texas unt yeah. and so I, I just so happened to be 18 at that time the summer before i had i had, I had hurt my hand i had mm. hurt my wrist and so even practicing piano was starting to get more difficult for me mm. and so when it was time to like start Thinking about auditioning for colleges, I was like, man, I don't know what piano is like. I don't know if piano is going to be my instrument. Mm. So I was like, let me try out on saxophone. Hmm. And somehow, by some by some absurd miracle, <laughs> 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 like they, they were like, yeah, OK, we'll let you in, you know. <laughs> so I got into school for jazz saxophone at 18 at, at, at uh, UNT. Nice. So, yeah, that was that was the start, kind of, more or less. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, while when I was, like, maybe 19 years old, there was another guy in my class who was like, hey, uh, uh, there was a band that opened for Snarky Puppy, like, maybe a month before, called mm. the Funky Knuckles. Yeah. And then this guy in my class was like, hey, my teacher from high school is the saxophone player in the Funky Knuckles. And they just started a residency on Monday nights in Deep Ellum Mm. at this place called the Freeman. And he was like, if you want to go, you should come with and you should bring your horn. Because sometimes at the very end of the night, they let people sit in. Mm. And I was like, again, I was still I was like you want to you wanna go out on a weeknight? Let's go. Like, come on. Like, dude. Of course I'll bring my sex. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, of course. What do you mean? And I, already, I had already seen them before. And I was like, yeah, mm. they're amazing. And so I went that first Monday night. And uh, that was it for me. That was like, for me, that was kind of like the beginning of the rest of my life. It feels like almost mm. like, you know, that just, just being around such like incredible musicians that night. And then I got to play. And they were, everybody was like very welcoming, like very receptive, and just like really cool. And I met met not only the the guys in the band that night, but also met a lot of the people that I play with now. So it's mm. like like that that same night, I met Quentin and KJ
0: nice. uh, Gray. So yeah. it's like
1: yeah, I was like man, this this is really cool. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I love good... being, I would love to be part of this. Yeah, you know, whatever it's... this is. Yeah. And so I just started going every single Monday night from when I was like, yeah, from when I was 19 until, I don't know, whenever, whenever, whatever year I started, you know, not, not being in town as often. Mm, Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of it. I started going every single Monday night sat in as many times as I could um, like definitely folded on a lot of music. (laughs) I would like, I would show up They're like we're playing this song. Do you want to play? I was like, I don't really know it. I don't know any songs. They were like, you'll figure it out. Just come on. Like, and so, so I would struggle and then I'd go home, learn that song, work it out, come back the next time.
0: Cause those moments stick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But,
0: but the fellowship I think helps it be stickier, you know?
1: Yes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Cause it was, yeah, it was just a crazy time to be coming up in Dallas at that Mm -hmm. time, I guess, you know? um, Yeah. At that, I guess at that time, the, the, on those Monday nights, that was more or less the thing that all of all of like my favorite musicians in Dallas, they were all going to that thing on Monday Mm, night. There wasn't, it's nowadays and, and not that this is a bad thing at all. Nowadays, there's multiple places, like many, many places you can go on a Monday night, go hear some really great music, live music here in Dallas. But in those days, um, that was kind of the main place that you could hear like all the guys, from the, the Funky Knuckles crew, all the guys from like anybody from like the Snarky Puppy Hang crew that was like in town. There were guys from like, I, I met Sput there at that Monday night thing. I met RC there at mm. that Monday night thing. I met yeah. Sean Martin there. All, all of my favorite musicians basically were at that thing. Mm. Not only from that generation, but also back then I was just, I was just looking at their tiny desk thing today, but I met, J, I made, I met JD there. When he was twelve years old, at that oh really yeah oh, wow <laughs> at that little Monday night hang, we were wow. all just playing. You know, we were yeah. all just sitting in. Um, m- when I was going out to that thing, um, that's how I started really hanging out with with uh, with Quentin a mm. lot and KJ. Yeah, and then Mike Mitchell was also like coming up in the scene. He was already he had already moved to New York, but anytime he was back in Dallas playing gigs or not playing a gig, he would come out to that you know that yeah. monday night hang was just like the foundation for like a whole lot of like crazy you know crazy musicians you know yeah. that, that that play that you see all over now yeah yeah so well,
0: it's it was, uh it is a a culture you know like it, yeah. it, it, it was cultivating things and people yeah absolutely yeah well that's what makes those local jams so kind of important are those those open sessions for people that are either touring in town yeah. or they're local and they're over on this side and they still have time or they just happen right. to be in this part of the city and let's, let's play it out. Let's, right. let's, let's flex or let's, let's get the, the energy out, you know, right. or whatever. Or let's network, you know, there's like right. so many angles to like, to connecting, you know, and exactly. ne- networking in that fashion, you know, but it's, it, yeah, it, it, I don't know. And for people that are so driven by the music, it's just, yeah. it's just great. Cause it feels yeah. like it, it's just round two. It's like, we just did what I love to do. Yes i'm still up <laughs> right exactly
1: exactly we're yeah. going we're going until two baby let's go uh, yeah you know?
0: yeah or the you're right in that high of just like it's just playing it or just yeah. like man they're over there we gotta go over there now <laughs> right
1: right definitely but yeah
0: but yeah and we've and all the people you've listed that have been phenomenal um facilitators of that or or mentors to keep that that mindset in mind yeah. and and to grow and and to, to you know invest in the other people that yeah. they can see themselves in you know from years past or whatever right and knowing how important it is to provide that opportunity to to fail and learn and all that kind of stuff yes it's, that's what everybody does but right let's do it together and let's just take it seriously and right you know and move on just yeah. like keep focused you mm-hmm. know that's the only thing or absolutely it's the main theme i guess
1: definitely yeah that's 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 definitely a thing it was the, there was that night that monday night there was also uh, in town there was also the wednesday night thing at uh the, the RC and the grits had a residency yeah. on Wednesday nights at this place called the Prophet, Prophet bar. bar yeah. And that was the other, that was kind of one of the other places that, that like, like even if there were other things going on on Wednesday nights, that was kind of the other thing where like randomly somebody create, like all the crazy musicians that you would never think to see on just like a random weeknight. That was the other spot. Yeah kind of where they would pull up you know it's like i remember playing the jam and then all of a sudden like people start pouring in from outside and you're like why are people pouring in from outside mm. and then somewhere in the crowd you spot uh, Erica batu or mm. like leon bridges or something like that yeah you know, something crazy yeah and then even 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 from that open mic jam session even from that like a lot of I feel like a lot of I, I met a lot of people at their beginning stages before they became like the artists that they are today it's yeah. like, like I think actually the first time I actually played with JD was probably there at Profit Bar mm. and then I met uh, there's an amazing amazing uh, hip hop artist uh, called Bobby Sessions and Social Topic I met them there uh, Cure for Paranoia is another band that I play with now that I met those guys there at Profit Bar Nice. Yeah. so it was like yeah but from between those monday nights and wednesday nights is really a large part of where i met <laughs> met like kind of everybody and and not and quote unquote grew up you know in mm. the scene around here sure just like coming up playing sitting in you know when i could getting playing playing gigs with these guys yeah so it was, yeah it was crazy. it's crazy a, very crazy very very pivotal time i feel like and a very important time
0: you know i don't know yeah oh well especially if you compare it to like now or the last few years just because yeah. how odd and up and down uh certain things have been it's like Absolutely. reflecting on those different time periods of consistency yeah. or of growth or or whatever yeah it's yeah it's it's always interesting to catch those eras of like wow it was very concentrated right here it's like right where, where did that sound come from or like why are these people so connected it's like because they were all here at the yeah. same time or right yeah 100
1: percent, 100 percent.
0: so when it comes to uh Listening to music. Yeah. what Who are some of your you know preferred uh you know uh, it, it, I guess I, I'll start like saxophone yeah. centric. Thank you, yeah. thank you for for <laughs> specifying because there's so many
1: <laughs> man there's yeah there's just a lot of wide wide listening I feel like going mm. going on but um yeah I, I guess saxophone specific man my I I always have to say my my main influence is is Kenny Garrett mm. uh is definitely from. Probably from when I was like about nineteen years old, I was just like, "Wow, this guy's really amazing! Like, mm. just so so powerful." When I listened to him, like, on all the recordings I've heard him on. I was like, yeah. "This is really really great." And then it just so happened that that same year, one of my good friends that I was at school with introduced me to this band called RH Factor, mm. um, which uh, I which stands for Roy Hargrove. You know, it's it yeah. was Roy Hargrove's project from and it was his band from dallas um was finding out that he had a band from dallas that was like exactly the kind of music that i was really into was crazy and the Mm. saxophone player on all those records um was this guy named keith anderson and he lives here in Dallas. He's like oh, yeah. definitely the big homie, the like definitely one of my biggest inspirations on the saxophone. I was mm. like, what? He's from right here in Dallas. <laughs> i was like, what? <laughs> That's amazing. Like, I like I I had done heard like I'd probably worn out the recordings of him that I had. I was mm. like, dude, I know I know your sound. I know you're playing. Like. Yeah. And then I saw I one one night he came out to the Funky Knuckles thing and sat in. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, I'm hearing it live, like, in front of my face, right next to me, you know? Wow. So that, that was another big influence for me. And then, yeah. um, obviously, I, I also, you know, I went to jazz school for jazz saxophone. So, mm. of course, I, um, I'm super into, like, like old you know the old the the masters quote-unquote of jazz saxophone of course i could like cannonball is probably still up there in my top favorite saxophonists michael brecker is obviously Mm -hmm. like also up there for me chris potter is also up there for me and of course the old old like of of course like of course charlie parker train and all those guys that you would you would associate with like jazz saxophone you know right um as that term is <laughs> being more and more like outdated, you know. But the J uh, word.
0: yeah, yeah, the the four letter word. <laughs> That's cool outside of saxophone. Where do you think your ear also pivots towards?
1: Man, it's in especially in the last 5 years to a decade, definitely mm-hmm. funk. Funk music. Mm-hmm. Man is like, well, you know, I pl- I play in a in a in a <laughs> funk band. That's like yeah. pretty cool. And so I had to like and before that, I hadn't. I had. I had definitely listened to funk before, but I hadn't gone so deep mm. as to like know, like really know in and out, like the specific time periods and eras and different albums of guys like James Brown, Prince, Earth, Wind and Fire, Parliament, Funkadelic, yeah. like all those all those type of bands. I hadn't. I hadn't done like a deep dive, like yeah. where I was just studying and learning all of those songs. Um, until I was doing it, until I was like <laughs> doing that. And so, yeah, the last few years have been a lot of listening, like going deep and, and listening to all as many of Prince recordings that I could find, both recordings and live. Mm. Um, as many, yeah, many yeah, James yeah. Brown. Do you have a album favorite
0: Prince James. albums?
1: Man, probably, probably Rainbow Children.
0: Mm, okay. Probably, yeah. Nice.
1: I mean, it's hard to pick, honestly. Yeah. It's like.
0: There's so much. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. But but if if the the one that comes to mind the most would probably be that one or there was a side project that he had, um oh man, why am I forgetting the name? It's just it's uh it's not called one. Uh Madhouse. Mm. Madhouse was a side project that he had that I really enjoyed.
0: Too, mm. and, I'm not aware of that. What is that?
1: um It's a it's kind of like a project where he he worked together closely with with Eric Leeds, who was like mm. one of his like main saxophone players, mm-hmm. and so they kind of made like a jazz fusion mm. band, kind of you know a like more
0: sax centric. Kind of yeah, music. a little bit. Mm. Uh, well,
1: yes and no because oh, it was okay. like yes, it was more like it was more instrumental. But it was still like Princeified. Yeah. <laughs> there's a certain like aesthetic. There's like certain way of mixing mm. and a certain like
0: production feel. To yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. That
1: was just like screams Prince. Yeah. You know? and, hmm. and so it definitely has that. But it's you know it's got it's got a lot of crazy stuff in it. Nice. So there's that, and then there's you know there's so many man. I don't know. There's a,
0: lot. <laughs> yeah. There's a well, lot. when it comes to funk, well in your at least where you are now, you know, what are some like essential like albums that you think are Man,
1: one of the ones that I've been list- like coming back to all the time lately and listening to is this live Parliament Funkadelic record mm. called uh Live at the Beverly Theater in mm. Hollywood and it's I, f- I feel like it's 19 19- Oh, no, I can't remember the year. It's it in up. the you 80s. Keep, you keep going. <laughs> I think. It's either in the 80s or the 90s. I can't remember. But but it was this, this P-Funk show where this drummer named Dennis Chambers was playing with them on drums. Uh-huh. And it was i mean just so dumb it's like so some of these songs go like 15 minutes long and you're just the entire time <laughs> by you know by minute three you're like wow oh, what is i don't think this can even get any funkier like <laughs> you know they keep on doing it it's like they have they, they they really captured the vibe of what it feels like to play a really good live show where like there's where like there's moments of it being like of the entire band going in and everybody's like moving. No, you can't really help, but to move like this and then also to, to bring it back and like, let it breathe in some mm. moments and, and like have like a vocalist speak or even just to let the band ride it out. It's yeah. like, man, there's, there's that to me that, that album really exemplifies that, that like live feel, mm. you know, like of, of what a, a good night of a live show feels yeah. like. Cause you know, I've, I, put, I done played a lot of live shows like in different places and, and they're all, they've all, I can thankfully say like none of them have gone too bad, but, <laughs> but you know, you know, which night it oh. went, like the flow of it was like incredible. Like
0: supreme. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like the constant uh, struggle of like live, like tapings. If you don't have right. like a controlled environment, you know, yeah and it's just, just hope. We're geared up. Yeah, especially, I hope but, the energy's
1: right. You ooh, know?
0: Man, especially probably like back in the day when it was all tape.
1: A hundred percent. I hope this works. hundred percent. It's the only
0: budget we got. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you know, it's, it's Parliament Funkadelic. So you know, it's like any on any on any given night, you know, maybe the whole band is on acid. You know, you don't know. You never know. You never know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, especially so. with those those earlier recordings. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. You never. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite ones mm. uh, that stands out to me right now. Well,
0: that's that's a good one. Yeah. Well, can, But Clinton also talks about just how often they toured. Right. So I'd imagine that they f- probably, even if they wanted to, they could probably have kept up with, like, the Grateful Dead with, like, how much, like, live music they just recorded. And at least just Absolutely. because of how consistent they were constantly touring. Yes, yes. Because he said, yeah, because I remember when they did an interview with him during, like, COVID, I think it was Questlove. Yeah. Supreme, and he was like, it's weird. Like, I've never not moved <laughs> yeah like for this long he's like we we're always on the move like dude yeah th- yeah of course i've i yeah same the the
1: feeling is mutual of course i haven't sure. done it as long as those guys but that's how it felt like because uh i think in in 2019 in yeah in 2019 just with ghost note we were out for about like give or take we must have played at least 160 shows wow. and that's not even counting like travel days or off days yeah or anything like that but we had like 160 dates on the calendar that Dang. year plus travel plus like you know yeah. in like recording days there were there were like a few weeks that we 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 just stayed in LA and recorded music you know mm. and so it was yeah same same kind of feeling and I was that's not even the only band I was touring with mm. at the time and so it was like yeah by the time by the time COVID hit and everything was really shutting down I'll like by, by month three of COVID, I was like kind of sitting. There's like a meme of of the Narcos guy. <laughs> oh yeah, and, where he's, where he's like <laughs> three days after tour, he's <laughs> 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 just sitting in his bench, like sad. Right. <laughs> well, I
0: couldn't imagine the the chemistry like in their head of like it's literally just decades of like scheduling, moving two then- uh, two hundred <laughs> plus you know every year. Yeah, and then nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. <That's
0: laughs> but a trip. But yeah. That's cool though. I need to check yeah. out that album.
1: Man, it's a good one. It's a really good one. Nice. It's definitely a really good one. What's another one? Um, man, lately this is and this is this is still funk, but it's it's a little bit newer. It's there's a there's a producer named Stro Elliott. He's an artist and a mm. producer, but he he was kind of like uh uh closely associated with J. Dilla. Okay. Um, so he has like a lot of that same like lots of lots of his sa- samples that he mm. had at 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 his fingertips but he f- he did a flip on uh, some the music of James Brown and mm. the album is called Black and Loud Oh boy <laughs> I can't remember the the full name of it but it starts mm. with Black and Loud okay. but it's um it it's really tight it's really dope that the under the artist name the listing for the artist it says Stro Elliot comma James Brown Mm. And the way that the way that he did the record, it really does feel like, like, posthumously, it really actually feels like James Brown is is like a co-producer of this record. While at the same time, it was all Stro Elliot, like just cutting it up, cutting it up, yeah. and and doing so, j- just like amazing, amazing stuff huh. all 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 throughout the.
0: the so are record. these other released just like? Things, pieces of James Brown or unreleased? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. So he, he took a lot of famous songs by James Brown. Um, gotcha. The, the title track, uh, Black and Loud, or, you know, it's, it's oh, from yeah. that James uh-huh. Brown uh, song, Say It Loud. Yeah. I'm black and I'm proud. You yeah. Know, it's like, it's it's that song, but he just flipped
0: it. Gotcha. And then he has one. That's cool. This- yeah. Yeah. That's why I love Pete Rock, man, because, you know, yeah. he, a lot of his fundamental sounds and stuff, especially from the early days, were that James Brown, a funk A hundred percent, bro.
1: A hundred percent. It's like they basically, like, kind of, they kind of continu- continued the tradition of that in yeah. the same way that we think of, like, you know, jazz artists, like. Sure. Like, reaching back and, and grabbing from yeah. that. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, I was talking to uh, Peyton Taylor about, yeah. about, like, where she brought that up as she was, like hip hop and that kind of chop up and the boom bap stuff has really kept jazz like moving in, forward yeah and in the, in those circles where you might not expect it to be like yeah. people are really like obsessed with it and keep yes. it balanced you know in that same world Absolutely. but there's a there's a firm you know commitment to honoring it and you know and right. keeping it balanced and 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 just yeah utilizing it well you know cuz the person like i always use as an example is like Glasper yeah and just like I just always love the fact that he made sure that he proved himself as a jazz musician and right. then pivoted to right. hip hop because he's like, no one's going to challenge me.
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. And yet people still did. Yeah. Do. yeah, But no, that, and, and I, think, I think that's, yeah, you bring up a great point because I think he even said in an interview, he was like, you know, if you can learn something as difficult as like really learning the language of jazz, hmm. like, learning another genre like mastering another genre of music is not going to be too too hard considering you just learned like all this crazy oh yeah you know <laughs> you know versus versus like you're just trying to like create a vibe like yeah. like vibing over it's a beat group, you know it's yeah. like or you know yeah exactly locking into a group of course there's different of course it's a different mindset and a different skill set yeah. but i i would definitely agree with him that if you have the facility and the capability and the patience and the perseverance
0: well, it's <laughs> just that awareness of how you're going to actually end up blending these two things yes you know? Yeah. i think that's what makes him a significant producer mm-hmm. and a collaborator is he yeah. has a significant awareness yes. of like how this is going to cooperate exactly um, or if he plays a piece that's more jazz centric maybe he's yeah. thinking of it in that term right. but when he's going to produce it he's thinking of it as a sample not as this yep. is the bar this is all that no, no no that's just the sample for this length of time or like yeah. whatever yeah it's just a different way of gearing yourself up exactly you know, musically exactly hmm
1: but it's definitely yeah it was like whoa like, you know wow
0: yeah man he's one of my favorites man that dude pops up on anything i'm like day one <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay yeah i'm gonna take a listen i'm Midnight gonna have to listen release. to it <laughs> right of course of course yeah oh
0: man so do you have anything uh anything else you're interested in? any other hobbies or anything yeah
1: absolutely man it's for like the last like eight months give or take uh minus a few months where i was out of town mm-hmm. i've been doing uh i've been doing this. Uh, I've been training in this Filipino martial art mm. uh, called Atienza Kali. Oh, um, cool! I haven't heard of that. Yeah, no, not a lot of people. I hadn't, I definitely hadn't heard of it before mm. either. But
0: um, what is there a form to it or anything that makes it different? so?
1: Yes. So, so traditionally, uh, Filipino martial arts, uh, what you would call the the three names you would hear in Filipino martial arts are uh, Arnis, Kali, and Eskrima. And they're all kind of used interchangeably to some degree. Um, But most of the prominent Filipino martial arts schools either come from straight from the Philippines or from like these like these institutions that these these systems that have been around for a long time Mm. from guys like like uh, Dan Inosanto, who was like Bruce Lee's like top student in Jeet Kune Do. Mm. He he hmm. taught Bruce a little bit of Filipino martial arts like Kali and Arnis and Eskrima hmm. and then eventually became like one of the top guys in Jeet Kundo as well. So he hit like maybe from like the Inosanto school, like there was like a lot of both, both of those systems or styles or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But for this particular uh, FMA system, Atienza Kali, it's uh, from the family, the Atienzas, mm-hmm. and uh, it's three brothers I think you know that that grew up in the Bronx in mm. like the 80s so the and at that time uh, when they first moved to the Bronx it was like relatively quiet you know it was like peaceful-ish neighborhood and mm. then suddenly like later throughout the 80s and early 90s it, it started getting like really bad it, they just it, apparently it just started getting really dangerous for them to mm. so where like you know one of the the one of the Atienza brothers was getting his bike stolen like every day. He was getting like mugged and robbed
0: Dang, you know yeah. at
1: at every single day. So they had so their dad actually taught them how to survive out there because uh there were like there there was gang violence basically happening and uh all the time between between like Jamaican gangs, Chinese gangs, Vietnamese mm. gangs and, you know, whatever whatever was happening there and if you were Filipino there at the time it's like you're you're like definitely a minority minority immigrant mm. family you know more yeah. or less there at the, at the time and so um, I guess if you had if you, if you had like say you have like a Filipino restaurant or a shop in that area mm-hmm. and you have like these like Chinese gangsters come to your restaurant and threaten you for like like protection money or something yeah. like they're giving you problems or something right there the guy you would talk to was the atienza's dad butch atienza and he would he would go take care of it he would probably like he would go fight somebody and hmm. take care of it or whatever resolve it so a lot of the, the techniques that he taught his sons were like um for specifically for urban combat like the hmm. streets of the bronx in new york to defend yourself against people with like multiple people and multiple people with weapons, hmm. because that's how it was. That's just yeah. that was just how it went for them. And it, and so for them growing up, that what different, what what makes Atienza Kali different from other Filipino martial arts systems is that you see less and less of the like flow drills or like like the the kata that you would see in like karate or kung fu hmm. where you're like you know it's all these dancing flow emotions and stuff mm-hmm. like that um, whereas this this system is is much more of like like what you'll actually do in a real life yeah real time reaction yeah in a stuff. real life circumstance you you're actually you're you're training more for that specific situation and so really like the pressure testing in this system is really good in that you wear like you wear like riot armor it's pretty intense like you Mm. wear riot full riot riot armor uh a fencing saber mask and like you know gloves and arm guards or whatever but you have these like aluminum training knives which are like not sharpened but they can still like really hurt you Mm. um which is why you wear armor and you have people like going full speed trying to like really take you out you wow. know? and that's and that's how like responding learning how to react yeah. and respond
0: to that reflexive action Yes yeah. is
1: tra- training to get out of those situations and using using techniques like body shielding mm. and like like space like just just the mindset of, of having the spacing and, and protocols and targeting and stuff like that is is kind of the focus for that and so that for me it's been really fun hmm. on that end in that it it's actually like a very practical thing to learn for self-defense i guess sure and then on the other side of it for me it's it's very important to me because it's a it's a mar it's a filipino martial art but it's to me it's really it's a filipino american martial art hmm. and it was developed you know for, uh a, l- a large part of that is how i identify is, you know you know it's like like uh you know, I'm Filipino. I'm very Filipino, but I'm also, I'm very American. You know, I'm very much (laughs) from Texas, from a small town in Texas, Mm. but I'm also at the same time, like still very, very proud of my heritage, you know? Mm. And, you know, I want to get more in touch with that in that way. And so it's very, it's been very rewarding to study a Filipino, American martial art. Yeah. So there's that. I've been doing that. I, I cook a lot. I cook a lot. I've been vegan for about three years now. And, um, yeah pretty much like that's to me that was like the only way i could make it make sense to to keep to keep it up mm. to be consistently vegan was like i gotta make my own food so i can actually like eat food that i like you know yeah uh, and, and, and make it sustainable and make it you know cost effective yeah you know? oh yeah so stuff like that and yeah so I, I i i cook a lot that's probably another main hobby of mine um
0: do you have like a specialty dish it's like, it's like man your, your i thing. have
1: i have a few different ones man okay. i can i can do <laughs> i can do a pretty pretty decent like pretty decent tex-mex feast oh like,
0: yeah yeah oh, you're this. talking to it, a hana so i better good. yeah come on bro <laughs> come on man oh
1: you know what shoot. you th-
0: what you're throwing down on this man i
1: got Tex-Mex. i got my own like like my own recipe for arroz so mm. it's like you know that that like sort of like Mexican Mexican rice Mm -hmm. that's like multicolored and very like very vibrant colored Mm. dish or whatever and then also there's this uh there's this vegan even though I at first I was kind of like not really into the like the the mock meat stuff Mm, um there is this one like soy flour stuff called textured vegetable protein Hmm. which it comes in a bag and at first you're like is this dog food it looks like dog food (laughs) but then you rehydrated it and you season it the way that you want to and it actually kind of looks like beef beef chunks or like chicken you know interesting stuff like that you know and so you can make that into like sort of like fajitas kind of yeah and then uh have my own like pickled pickled red onions thing that i do and so it'll and then like uh, some sort of like like these these vegan crema sauces that, mm. that I'd start from like usually cashews or avocados yeah. or something like that so between all those I'll, I'll make like a whole just like a whole feast and be like nice. let's eat like you know <laughs> let's, let's throw down you know yeah. but I have those I have the Tex-Mex ones I got an Indian one I got some Filipino dishes that I've been working on trying to get a solid Filipino vegan repertoire in, and nice. it's coming together man I'm, <laughs> I'm you know I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to mess around.
0: So. Pro chef on the sides. <laughs> man, shoot. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that'd be tight. <laughs> yeah, that'd be
1: tight. That would, that would be tight, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Keep the music up front for now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Until, until that time comes. You
0: know. <laughs> well, I, I only got one more question for you, man. Yeah. Uh, what, what would you tell yourself, you know, five years ago into, into the music? And what kind of advice would you give yourself? <sighs>
1: man enjoy it <laughs> like mm-hmm. like set some time out to really like take stock because you say five years ago and to me it like doesn't feel that long ago it, it almost a lot of it feels like a blur True. and a lot of i can specifically remember a lot of times going through a lot of stress um and uncertainty mm. because that's what a life of a musician sometimes can be like yeah. you know you don't know you don't know if this month or the next few months is going to be, like, amazing, you know, like, as far as, like, money coming in, gigs coming in, you know, yeah. flying out to go do these cool things. And then you have periods, like, a few months periods of where you're, like, you're, you're, you're uh, Pablo Escobar and just and his bench, like. <laughs> but, you know, you have to, it's, like, so it can be very stressful at times, but, but at the same time, it's, like, so important. I, I'm just now, like, really starting to really tap into this, like making it a daily practice of of sitting there and enjoying and realizing like, man, what I get to do is amazing. It's like mm. incredible. It's like exactly exactly what the ten years ago version of me was like dreaming of. Yeah. Like was seeing was seeing the all the all my musical big bros, seeing them out in the world doing these cool things. Now ten years later or even five years later, that that version of me was doing that stuff. Mm. And so now if I were to talk to that guy, I'd be like, hey, you know, just there's going to be some BS. There's going to be you're going to go through some situations. You're already knee deep in one, you know, maybe one or two, you know, you'll you'll find yourself in these things. But just just, you know, like rather than rather than like bottling it all in and and like letting it build up to this thing, you know, really just, you know, enjoy it, enjoy every mm. f- try to try to squeeze every little bit of enjoyment out of that, out of that little <laughs> lemon, you know, <laughs> try to try to try to enjoy it as much as you can, because this is very yeah. special. It's very special what I get to do um, on a daily basis, on a yearly basis, like in many ways, you know, it's a dream come true. Mm. So that would that would be my main piece of advice is to enjoy it. And then the other ones would probably be like, uh uh stop cutting your hair. <laughs> like you can actually grow hair out. You know, you don't have to like man, I used to have like a... I used to do the line thing. <laughs> mm, oh, yeah. The line in the side with the fade. Nice. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then now I'm like
0: <sighs> Grow it all. <laughs> just grow it all
1: out. <laughs> yeah, just let it go. It's so much easier. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is, but it isn't sometimes. Yeah. Because I have long hair too. <laughs>
1: Dude, for real. A day like this, like the rain full of it, you're like, oh boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this rain's going to stay with me for a while. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I go back and forth, especially during the summer. Like, I go back and forth between, like, oh, I want to cut it all off. And I'm like, no, I'm just. Right. I'll just put it up or do something. I don't know. but Dude,
1: I feel like if you, see, if you see me cut my hair, you know that there's like another stage of life is, is about to happen. <laughs> there's something going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something going on. Like, But see,
0: I, I'm also minded like that where I, I know I've let my hair grow and then get it cut to yeah. signify that. Like, oh, I'm about to go to school. 100%. I'm about to start this job. Or, there's all these like little like uh, fashionable cosmetic things that are yeah. like, I don't know, they're obvious. And right. they're like, if I change it, then like it's a clear indicator that like this is a new chapter, you know? right? And like, cause I did kind of did that with COVID. I grew out my hair. Like once that started happening, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I just stop to go and you know go into the barber. And then right. like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. And now, and now here we are. But like, yep. but there's still that part of me. It's like, but now I'm kind of out of that season. Should I cut my?
1: <laughs> right, right. And it all ties into like how you how you identify with yourself. You're yeah. Kind of like,
0: I yeah. feel like
1: this person now. You yeah, know, like right? I feel like I'm I feel like I'm in a new stage of life, therefore I'm a new person yeah. compared to before. Yeah. So I should reflect that. Yeah. You know? or Let cut. the let the
0: action get this get this party started. Like yeah, if I exactly. cut off my well, hair go. I'm, I'm gonna be more professional. Watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 That's the idea. I don't know how I don't know how it often, how it all works out. I'm
0: gonna practice way more consistent if I cut my
1: hair. <laughs> Yo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man well this is fun man thanks, thanks dude, again for coming out man thank you
1: so much for having me bro yeah Shoot, dude
0: this is amazing yeah yeah dude anytime
1: man heck yeah again not playing <laughs> <laughs>
0: let's go again, right? let's
1: now. go <laughs>